to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. You're listening live every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. That's the live feed to save. You can pick up the live feed also by going to WakeUpCallDT.com's homepage And after you listen live, you can always go back to over 990 episodes that are are available for you on wakeupcalldt.com by clicking on the Podbean podcast, the RSS feed, the iTunes podcast, and TuneIn Radio. So any one of those is going to give you over 990 episodes of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. You'll always have something to go back and listen to, so make sure that you do that and connect with the show every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, live here on the line. With that being said, we have Mike Sofka here with us today. We do our Fantasy Football Power Hour every single Thursday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, and it's proudly brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub on 3680 Milton Avenue in Camillus, New York, right inside of the Home Depot Plaza, our home for our fantasy football drafts in Syracuse and upstate New York. So make sure you're heading out to the Wildcat Sports Pub and heading out to see us in August for our live drafts as well and being a part of that. With that being said, Mike's here on the show, Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com. As always, Mr. Sofka, how are we doing this morning? Awesome. How are you doing? Doing very well, and and I know that you were feeling a little bit under the weather. How you how how has the this past week treated you since you were not feeling so well? A lot better, like day and night. I'm, I'm back in the groove. We're ready to go. We're ready to rock and roll. Ready for football. All right, ready for football and ready to roll in this thing. We have week by week giving you a division by division analysis of the fantasy football players that you need to keep in mind and know who we're kind of leaning away from and who we're leaning toward. So we've done the AFC West, the AFC East, and the AFC North. Today is the AFC South featuring the Indianapolis Colts, the Houston Texans, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Tennessee Titans. And with all that being said, I open the floor to you, Mr. Sofka, to give us your thoughts on the Indianapolis Colts quarterback situation this season. Yeah, well, I I think it can only go up. I, I think it can only get better because, well, let's face it, Andrew Luck has been injured the past couple years, and while Jacoby Brissett was brought in and did uh, the omen's job of filling in, he's not Andrew Luck. And, you know, they've made some other changes on the team as well, including the offensive line. So there's there, there's been some significant departures as well as far as running back goes, as far as receivers. So up and down, I think Andrew Luck, as long as he really is back and not throwing Nerf balls, high school footballs, college footballs, throw the football. You know, about 10 days ago, they were like, oh, he's done everything we've asked of him, but throw the football. That's his job, is to throw the football. (laughs) So, hopefully, he's throwing a regulation to Duke NFL football, and hopefully he's back in it for Indianapolis because they desperately need Andrew Luck under center in order to make that machine in Indianapolis move. 
Yeah, you know, and, and it's funny to me, when, like you said, where it's like, you know, he, he's throwing the Nerf ball. He's throwing the Nerf ball that has that little tail on the end of it so it can go a little bit farther. Now he's throwing a, a ball in the pool. And now after he threw the ball in the pool, he's going to try and throw the ball outside of the pool. Then he bounced a basketball. Then he caught a baseball. Then he went to, you know, he, he went and played a game, got the claw game at the restaurant Grabbed a ball out of there, a little plush ball, and he was rolling that around in his hand for a little while. But we're all wondering, is he going to be a fantasy football stud? Is he going to be a fantasy football draftable player? Where does he stand in the whole grand scheme of things? Jacoby Brissett is still there. Brad Kaya is there. He came over from the Lions, who didn't even give him a half a second. And Phillip Walker is there out of Temple. And I covered uh, P.J. Walker undrafted free agent uh, 2017 out of Temple. So they have Brad Kaya from Miami, P.J. Walker from Temple, Jacoby Brissett from North Carolina State, but Andrew Luck's supposed to be the guy. I'm not sold on Andrew Luck because I think when he was healthy, he was turning the ball over too much. And what did I just say? When he was healthy, he was turning the ball over too much. So there was times where he wasn't healthy and that affected the team. They didn't even get to see him last year. So I'm not looking to Andrew Luck to save my season or progress my season. I think he falls somewhere in the middle of the quarterbacks out there. What do you think about his fantasy value? Yeah, right now I got him the number 21 ranked quarterback, which is not good for Andrew Luck. But, you know, I think a lot of that is also based on the division he plays in. In the AFC South, he faces some tough defenses and some tough defensive lines. The Jaguars in Saxonville are going to come after him with their ears pinned back because they could smell blood in the water, and they know if there's an injured, you know, little little uh, animal, they're going to hunt down on the prairie here and or on the plains, you know. And then you take a team like the Texans as well. They've got the formidable defensive line. You know, you got Jadavian Clowney and JJ Watt coming after you. You play these guys twice a year. And the Titans aren't no joke either. So they have some guys that can get after the quarterback, especially a guy named Jarrell Casey. So there's a there's a lot to contend with within their own backyard. So if they could get out of their own backyard unscathed, that would be tremendous. But I just don't see it happening. Andrew Luck's first first you know real action back. I think it's going to be like riding a bike for him. I think it's going to be like old hat. But I'm just not sure they have the functional pieces around him to keep a machine like an offense chugging down the field, making first downs. I just, I'm not sure they have that anymore in Indianapolis. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I know that Andrew Luck was supposed to be the heir apparent, right? He was supposed to take over, you know, Aaron Rodgers took over eventually for Brett Favre when he retired and well, when he moved on and then eventually retired at the ripe age of 114. So, you know, with, with that being said, Andrew Luck was supposed to be the next man up. He was supposed to be the guy. He was supposed to be the one that helps the Colts fans feel a little bit better about the loss of Peyton Manning. And ultimately, I think they let go of Peyton Manning too soon, which obviously was shown by what Peyton Manning did after that. And, you know, at the same time with Andrew Luck, I just, I I don't, I'm not sold on him. I don't think he's consistent. I think that he turns the ball over. I don't think that he's a safe bet at the end of a game necessarily. I don't expect him to be the franchise quarterback of this team. And I think that this might be his last year under center. So you had him at 21, and I don't think that I'd put him any higher than that. 
Marlon Mack, who is uh, somebody that I really appreciate. Uh, South Florida covered him as well out of South Florida. Drafted fourth round last year, 2017. He really didn't get a lot of time out there. He was never the dominant guy. He was kind of one of a bunch. Now he's one of a bunch again, but he may become the dominant guy because behind him is Robert Turbin. And then Naheem Hines is a nice change of pace guy. He can be an H-back. He can actually create a lot of things. I don't know if this is the team for him because the quarterback is Andrew Luck, but I do know that Naheem Hines can get you out of some trouble. So Marlon Mack, Naheem Hines shouldn't be a bad one-two punch, but we're also looking at a team that has Andrew Luck under center. So thoughts on the running back situation in fantasy for the Colts? Yeah, I'm not sold on uh, Marlon Mack, unfortunately. Out of 32 teams, he's my 32nd ranked running back, so that should tell you what I feel about him, their offensive line, and just their ability to get things done. If the quarterback hasn't been producing the past couple years because he can't get on the field, Marlon Mack was, you know, not stellar last year, but, you know, kind of brand new to the Colts, so it looked better than, than most of the other options they had, and well, sure enough, here they are again. And I don't think anything has gotten better. I don't think anything has changed. You know, you got the addition of Naeem Himes, which may make a difference. But you also got some receiver worries, too. I just think the roster is in peril right now. And it's a, it's a shame. But if you're an Indianapolis fan, you may have to be patient this year because it looks like it might be a rough year. Hopefully, Marwin Mack can put something together. Hines can put something together. And they can they can move forward. But... You know, I'm, I'm a type of guy, I'm, pretend I'm from Missouri, show me. You know, I, I got to see it first because right now I'm not a believer. Yeah, you know, and I think what it comes down to with Marlon Mack is that, like you said, you know, you want to be shown. You want to know what's going to happen here with, you know, this, this situation in the backfield. And I think that having the question mark at quarterback affects that. I think that, you know, protection being brought up a lot, that there's a lack of protection in Indianapolis. You know, that lack of protection doesn't just affect your quarterback, it affects your running game as well. So I don't know that Marlon Mack had a fair shake. I don't think he did in his rookie season. Like I said, he wasn't used consistently. He would be used at goal line and then not at all. Then he would be the dominant guy, then nothing for a couple weeks. Then he would show up, then he wouldn't again. So for me, they were trying to just kind of throw a bunch of things at the wall to see what stuck. He never got to be the dominant back. He didn't get to play with Andrew Luck. Naheem Hines is a rookie. So I expect these two guys, if anybody's going to do anything, for it to be them. But I truly anticipate that on your waiver wire, one of them will be at some point and just know that. T.Y. Hilton at wide receiver, he used to be a top five, top ten guy. He has dipped tremendously. Ryan Grant is on the team out of two lane coming from the Redskins as a free agent. Chester Rogers from Grambling was an undrafted free agent. K.J. Brent, free agent from Seattle, who played for Wake Forest. And then we have Doris Fountain, Kaysen Williams, Dion Kane, Zach Pascal, Krishan Hogan, and Shontavious Jones. I don't think that, and this is no offense to these young men, outside of Deion Kane, I don't think anybody, fantasy-wise, knows Shontavious Jones, Krishan Hogan, Zach Pascal, Kaysen Williams, Doris Fountain, or K.J. Brent. So it's really T.Y. Hilton or nobody again this year. What is your thoughts on this? 
Yeah, and that's a shame. You know, if you can't name, you know, four guys on your team that you like, you know, Indianapolis is not your team. And I don't think Indianapolis is going to have a lot of fans outside of Indiana. You know, one name I did forget to mention before in the running back scenario was a Jordan Wilkins, another running back that, you know, rookie guy, but he may make an impact. Depends on if he can get the pass blocking schemes down. I think Naeem Hines has a leg up on him. But you're absolutely dead on when you talk about the receivers of T.Y. Hilton and a bunch of other guys. You know, everybody's been waiting for Ryan Grant to show up, so hopefully this is going to be his opportunity. He should see a lot of the looks in the slot. I like Deion Kane. I think out of all those so-called no-name guys or young guys that nobody's heard of, I think he has the most opportunity to get on the field first and make something happen and make himself shown. Now, mind you, you need to temper that. He's not going to blow anybody away. He's not going to immediately be a one receiver for you. He's still going to be like a receiver four or receiver five for you until he shows up because a lot of these rookie receivers take a good three years to develop, and we're asking a lot from a young man with a new quarterback who hasn't been on a field in a couple years and a team that doesn't have a running game. Usually, you need one of the three. You have to have a quarterback who's highly proficient. You have to have a great running game. And you have to have a great passing game. And if you can get one of the three, you can get by on the other two. But right now, I don't see any of the three in Indianapolis. Yeah, and and that's a shame with Indianapolis because I think that T.Y. Hilton dipped. Obviously, he didn't have his quarterback out there, and it wasn't consistent. When Andrew Luck was out there, once again, speaking on consistency, there's not a consistent running game. There's not a lot of help. And, you know, these wide receivers could step up. Ryan Grant, Chester Rogers, K.J. Brent, Doris Fountain, Kaysen Williams, Deion Kane, Zach Pascal, Christian Hogan, Shontavious Jones. None of these guys sound like number twos. None of these guys sound like a starter on other teams, but they could do anything. And I don't want to discredit what they can be. But I'll tell you, going into fantasy, you're gonna draft. Somebody's gonna draft T.Y. Hilton. They may take him high. They may think about the past and not about the present. And they take T.Y. Hilton, and then they're gonna say, "Hey, Dan, who's on the other side of T.Y.?" And I would say, "Roll the dice. There's nine guys." So you know, that's that's where they're at right now for the Colts. I I don't like their receiver situation, and because I don't like that situation, I think it ultimately affects T.Y. Hilton. And again, I, he might be an undraftable person for me this year. Moving on to the Houston Texans as Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com and myself, Dan Tortora of WakeUpCallDT.com. Check out the fantasy football page as we get you set for the upcoming season and we get you ready for your upcoming fantasy football draft. Hopefully, those of you in Syracuse and upstate New York are sending an email right now to fantasyfootballdt at gmail.com. We are almost capped out of our four leagues with a two-month early sign-up, so thank you so much for your responses. We are giving you, every single week, a breakdown of each division. We're finishing the AFC today, AFC South. The Houston Texans, Deshaun Watson, supposed to be back here after an injury Ended his rookie season that was looking pretty nice. Behind him is Brandon Whedon, who used to be with Cleveland. Joe Webb, who used to be with Minnesota. And Stephen Morris, who used to be with Jacksonville. What are your thoughts on the quarterback situation and Deshaun Watson coming back? Yeah, I'm real excited to see Deshaun Watson back. You know, it's kind of a shame. He looked like he was chugging along. Looked like he was going to be moving Houston along. Looked like he was 
uh, shaping up in the offense. Looked like he, he looked a lot more consummate than somebody in his similar stage of their career. In other words, I think he looked a lot more mature. I think he looked a lot more aggressive than a young guy just trying to scamper and run run with the ball and run for his life. I think there was a lot of fluidity to what he was doing. It's quite obvious that he had a general understanding of the mission there and that they weren't asking him to do too much. They were asking him to do just enough and make his athleticism and his quick feet work for him. He does have a strong arm and he does have some capable guys around him, both running the ball and receiving He's going to have some question marks at tight end this year. But, you know, I, I look for an outstanding return from a Deshaun Watson. But, again, you have to you have to think about where you're at. You're in the AFC South. You're going to face Jacksonville twice in that offensive line. So, you know, it's sick and sad in a way. But, you know, when, 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 a, when a lion is hunting on the prairie in Africa and he sees a wounded animal, that's an easy target. And I hope Deshaun's totally back, and I'm hoping he's not set back at all when he does take the field against a team like Jacksonville for his sake. But uh, from all looks of it right now, it looks like he's going to be back timely and should be back 100%. So I don't think that'll be an issue. But, you know, again, you want to watch where you're drafting a guy like Deshaun Watson. If you're in a dynasty league, I say, yeah, he's one of the top quarterbacks to take. But if you're expecting him to overtake an Aaron Rodgers, a Tom Brady, or Russell Wilson, that's not going to happen. But I still have him ranked as a top 10 quarterback, kind of mid-range QB1 for me. Yeah, you know, I still think, and I agree with you, I think Deshaun Watson, you know, obviously the Jaguars showed their prowess early on in the season where they smacked him on the road, only allowed one touchdown in the third quarter playing up against the Houston Texans the second time around. He wasn't there with the team anymore. He had been injured. So, you know, Deshaun Watson, I liked watching him. I covered him at Clemson. The last uh, college game I got to see him play was the ACC championship game that was played at Camping World Stadium in Orlando, Florida, where he was able, with the help of Deion Kane, who I just mentioned, who's on the Colts now, Deion Kane and Hunter Renfro helped him get down the field and ultimately win the game against a very feisty Virginia Tech team with Justin Fuente as head coach for the first season there just a couple seasons ago. So, you know, Deshaun Watson, he's a guy that can hang with you. I think that he's the biggest threat to the Jaguars in the AFC South, but I still think, you know, the Jaguars are really good. But you, this is a guy who I think is dangerous. I would draft him. I think he can become your number one on your team. I think he's definitely worth picking up. And I, I think Deshaun Watson's dangerous. I know Brandon Whedon is serviceable. So if you have a team quarterback like you do in the wake of call fantasy football challenge, you know, you're not getting somebody terrible to back him up. But, I mean, I like Deshaun Watson. I, I think Deshaun Watson definitely is, like I said, I think he's a threat. I really honestly do. Lamar Miller, Alfred Blue, Deontay Foreman, Tyler Irvin, Tremaine Pope. These are all the guys. Deontay Foreman is questionable for week one with an Achilles injury. So he's already questionable to come back and play immediately this season. And his play was questionable last season. And he was, like Marlon Mack as a rookie, not utilized that much. He was there and he wasn't. He was in a game for a lot. Then he wasn't the next game. Lamar Miller's getting up there. And Lamar Miller, in my opinion, is... Okay, Alfred Blue has never really got it done coming from LSU 
What do you think about the running backs and the fantasy value in Houston? Well, I think it's going to bode, bode well for Lamar Miller that Dante Foreman is, is dinged up a little bit because that seems to be the biggest threat to him. I don't think Albert Blue's a threat to him. I think Dante uh, Foreman is maybe the 45th ranked running back in my standard scoring system. And then you take a look at Lamar Miller, and he's a lot higher than that. However, he's not an RB1. He's a low-end RB2 at 21 on my ranking for running backs currently. I think he has an opportunity in a PPR league to catch the ball as well, so he could be that guy there, maybe get inched up a notch or two in a PPR league. But the bottom line still, he's going to be the guy. He's going to be the guy they're going to lean on. And I think that's almost to a fault because I'm worried he's not going to be capable of shouldering that load. I think they tried that before. I think it looked somewhat okay on the fantasy stat sheets, but I think day in, day day out, game in, game out, I think every game, I don't think Lamar Miller is capable of being that solid rock you need to, to rely on in the running game. I think he's okay, and I think if he had some more power around him or beside him, that would bode well. And I wouldn't be surprised if they brought somebody else in once some moves were made, you know, just before the season starts. Yeah, you know, I I, I haven't liked the running attack of the Houston Texans in a long time. You know, Arian Foster really did a lot, and I thought it was great. But outside of that, you know, outside of Arian Foster having a couple good seasons – Alfred Blue hasn't gotten it done. Lamar Miller, he's done better. I mean, he can get to 1,000 yards, but he's not a fantasy stud in my opinion. Deontay Foreman, he he's in a place right now where he may not be full go at the start of the season. So I'm not leaning on anybody in Houston to save my fantasy. If I have to draft Lamar Miller, I may do it later on. I, I still think he's like a T.Y. Hilton. Somebody will draft him higher than maybe – I would definitely higher than I would, maybe higher than they should, I should say. But, I, I mean, running backs, Desha- listen, Deshaun Watson found a way to be relevant with not having a good rushing attack last year. That's why I still like Deshaun Watson, because his rushing attack didn't change, and uh, and he was pretty good last year before he got hurt. So, you know, I like what Deshaun can do. I don't really lean on the runners here. Usually you need a good rushing attack to help out your quarterback, but in Deshaun's case, he might be one of those exceptions to the rule. The, as far as him getting you fantasy points. Now, winning games, that's a different story. DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller the fifth, Braxton Miller, Bruce Ellington, Kiki Kuti, uh, Chris Thompson, Sammy Coates, who fell all the way down out of favor with the team that drafted him, the Steelers, and is now on the depth chart as number seven for the Texans. And DeAndre White all on the team. DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller the fifth, and Braxton Miller are the names that I'm sure people are looking at right now. Thoughts on the receiver fantasy in Houston? Well, last year it looked like Braxton Miller was going to be that that guy that would jump in the slot and take over due to an injury. Uh, he wasn't able to take the field all year. Bruce Ellington had some minutes of shining, but you know nothing major. Once you get past Will Fuller. There's nothing really that makes you worry. There's no guy that really you go, oh, my gosh, they got that guy. Look out for him. So I think a strong year by Will Fuller, I think he might not be drafted as high as he should be. 
in a lot of leagues because he was hurt all year last year. A lot of people forgot about him, and that seems to happen more times than not. A guy doesn't have any real stats the year before, and people tend to put him on the back burner or tend to not grade him out as high as he should be. DeAndre Hopkins, let's face it, he's arguably one of the top receivers in the league, and I think you could say he might be one of the top players in the league, especially in a PPR league. So if you have him... If you have one of the top five picks in a PPR league outside of a running back, he might be the one guy that I may rely on or the one guy I may look at. You know, Will Fuller is going to be much further down on the list, maybe a wide receiver three for you at best. And and that's a reach until he shows us something more. But, uh, you know, again, I think it's going to be the big one-two punch here. I think it's going to be DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller. And then if Braxton Miller is able to get back on the field, and if he is healthy, he is able to do something. The tight end position is where I'd be a little worried in Houston with, uh, 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 you know, the the retirement of, um, geez, the name's escaping me right now, uh, Fedorowicz. It, you know, with with his retirement, that, that brings in Steven Anderson or Ryan Griffin. And my first inclination with either one of these guys is that old Homer clip. Who? <laughs> Who's that? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's Steven Anderson, Ryan Griffin. I don't know which guy is going to be the guy in the long run, but one of those guys is going to be the guy. So if you're looking to steal somebody late as a backup tight end, you know, as we get closer, I'm sure we're going to figure out who has the edge there. But, um, you know, it's a coin flip right now. But the fantasy value is DeAndre Hopkins, and the steal might be Will Fuller. Yeah, you know, and I think I agree with you. I mean, when you're looking at this scenario with the tight end or the tight ends, with the wide receivers of the Houston Texans, DeAndre Hopkins is a guy that you can lean on. It's funny, Andre Johnson, when the Texans weren't doing anything, barely winning any games, he would fight his way to 900 to 1,000 yards a season. Then he passed the torch to DeAndre Hopkins, who can get himself 900 to 1,000 yards a season. So DeAndre Hopkins seems to be the guy that you want to lean on. Braxton Miller is a guy that I'm telling you may go undrafted in your fantasy upcoming draft. And if he does... He's not a bad free agent to keep your eye on. Will Fuller, the fifth, I picked him up when he was healthy. He gave me two back-to-back weeks. He gave me weeks that were great. He gave me two, three weeks that were wonderful, back-to-back weeks that were good. If the man had stayed healthy, he's a danger out of Notre Dame. So I think he's a steal for you because he will drop. And like Mike said, people tend to forget about guys when they've been hurt the year before. So just remember that. I want to mention, we didn't mention tight ends a lot. I want to mention the Colts, go back to them. Eric Ebron, I would not draft him with a 10-foot drafting pole. And then there's Jack Doyle, who I like. And Jack Doyle put up some fun numbers last season. What do you think about the Colts tight ends? Well, they say 50% of success in life is showing up. And, well, Eric Ebron showed up. I mean, that's pretty much all he had to do to become the number one guy. I think he's going to outdo Jack Doyle, and I think he's going to see some targets from Andrew Luck. I think it's going to be, you know, right place, right time. It's like when you buy real estate, location, location, location. He picked the right location to go to in Indianapolis, and he might get an opportunity after having a few injury plagued years and not living up to expectations in Detroit. Eric Ebron all of a sudden looks like a pretty good guy to have. You know, I don't think he's going to be a top tight end. I don't think he's going to be your tight end one, but he could surprise you as a tight end two. I got him ranked about number 18 on my tight end ranking. 
Yeah, you know, I, I like Jack Doyle. I like what he could do, and I do like him as a backup tight end. Uh, Houston Texans, Steven Anderson, undrafted 2016 out of California. Jordan Atkins, this is my dude, UCF. I spent some time with him recently, drafted in the third round of this year's draft, 2018. Jordan Atkins in Houston could end up being a stud, could end up being a, a nice little helper to a team that's been trying to figure out who the heck's going to be their guy at the tight end position. What do you think about Jordan Atkins? And, and, and can Jordan Atkins rise and give himself a little bit of maybe an Evan Engram type season or something like that? Yeah, I think that's going to be asking a lot out of a Jordan Atkins. I think that, you know, if you're in a dynasty league, he's a guy you want to take a flyer on late. He's a guy that might be able to do something, but I, I, I just wouldn't expect anything. I'd be very surprised. I'd be pleasantly surprised. I'm rooting for him, but I'm also a realist, and I know where to spend the money, and I wouldn't be spending the money on him right now. In a dynasty league with a payoff being in the next two to three years, absolutely take a chance on him very late. But, um, you know, until he shows something, no. Now, if he goes out and gets, you know, five or six targets, three or four catches, maybe a touchdown his first week on the field, then you want to target that guy. He's obviously going to be a player, but I just don't see it right off. Yeah, well, I, I I like Jordan Atkins. I'm not saying that he's definitely going to get drafted. I'm thinking, again, he'll be a guy that people don't really know is out there. And I'm not saying I'm going to draft him in our 18-round draft. I'm just saying that I'm holding out some hope that my guy from UCF is going to get it done. I think he'll be available out there. Somebody has to be the tight end, and Deshaun Watson's your quarterback. So that's all I'm saying. We're going to take a step aside for a fast break. When we come back, Mike and I will tackle the rest of the AFC South and give you fantasy analysis of their positions for the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Tennessee Titans in just a moment after this fast break. This is a wake-up call fast break. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Consistency is, well, consistently hard to find unless you head to 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York, the home of the Penn & Trophy Center, who has been serving us Central and Upstate New Yorkers, as well as beyond, for decades. The Penn & Trophy Center on 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York, gives you an amazing and unique way to customize a memory today. Say it with the Penn & Trophy Center. Be it an Employee of the Month award, a sports award, 
something for your business, engraving for your family, your loved ones, anniversaries, birthday parties, and so much more, including remembering somebody who served in the military. Say it with the Pendant Trophy Center. 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York. The definition of consistency is pen and trophy. Browse their products on penandtrophy.com. That's penandtrophy.com. And call them for more information at 315-422-8797. That's 315-422-8797. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. We love you much. We love all the fantasy football players out there, men, women, and children. If anybody tells you you're too young to play fantasy, laugh in their face. If they say you're too old to play fantasy, laugh in their face. If they say you can't play fantasy because you don't know what the hell you're doing, laugh in their face. You want to know why? Because all of you are right here with us on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora and Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com and, of course, myself of WakeUpCallDT.com. You put the both of us together, we'd like to think that we can help you out and do some good things in your fantasy upcoming 2018-19 season. We have a league in Orlando that's almost 10 years old and will be drafting down there in August. And, of course, for all of you in Central and Upstate New York, if you want to be in the Wake Up Call Fantasy Football Challenge at the Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, that you just heard from, if you want to be there, the time for you to send an email is now. It's very easy. FantasyFootballDT at gmail.com. Send an email there and says two words. I'm in. That's it. FantasyFootballDT for Dan Satora. FantasyFootballDT at gmail.com. I'm in. We're almost capped out of our four leagues two months in advance. So do not wait. Do not hesitate. I love the people that are like, ah, you know, I'm going to wait to buy tickets. They'll probably still be there. No, they won't. So make sure that you get into the Fantasy Football Challenge right now. And speaking of Fantasy Football Challenges, we have challenged each other, Mike and I, to go division by division and give you advice on players on every single team in the NFL split into each week having a different division. This week is the AFC South, and we are into the Tennessee Titans. Mike, I hand it to you with Marcus Mariota. That man they call Blaine Gabbert, and they did draft in the sixth round Luke Falk out of Washington State. What do you think about Tennessee at the quarterback position? Yeah, well, it's all Marcus Mariota. I mean, that's his show. It's his job. You know, barring injury, he's going to be the guy they try out there every week. And, you know, rightfully so. He can scramble. He can uh, read the opposing defense. He can make quick decisions. He can he's got an athletic release. He can get rid of the ball quickly. He kind of gets it. He's got a you know pretty good running attack, pretty good pass catching back, a couple decent receivers, an excellent tight end. So you know he's got the tools around him, and there's no reason to think Marcus Mariota won't be successful. Now again, you got to temper that a little bit because of two things: one, where he's playing, and again, he's going to play the Texans twice, he's going to play the Jaguars twice, and you know that that's kind of worrisome. He not, he's knocked down a peg just because of the division he's in. In my book, he's number 18 on the quarterback ranking, which makes him, you know, a mid-to-bottom-level quarterback, too. But he's got a lot of upside. He's got a lot of potential, depending on his other teammates showing up. He's got some youth around him, and depending on how that shapes up, he could have more upside than that. But right now, he's a number 18 quarterback for me. Yeah, you know, Marcus Mariota, it's funny how this division is where the Houston, well, 
follow me on the bouncy ball. There used to be the Houston Oilers, which became the Tennessee Titans, and then Houston got a franchise back with the Houston Texans. They started a new franchise but brought a team back to the city. So with that being said, Deshaun Watson is the guy that we look to and say, well, he's the young quarterback in the AFC South that's going to do some cool things in fantasy and potentially move his team forward. Well, we were saying this about Marcus Mariota just a couple of years ago. I think Deshaun's the guy now. I think Marcus is the guy more on the back burner. So I don't know if he's a person I put on my team. He's probably a third string quarterback that I would get. He's not my top two. And that's as simple as that. Running backs. Well, last year, Tennessee Titans went into camp with eight running backs. This year, they're going in with three. Derrick Henry, Deion Lewis, and David Flewellen. What do you think about this, Mike? They literally cut their running back stable into less than half of what they had last year. Well, if you're in a league that rewards kick returns or kick return yard, David Llewellyn's going to be one of the return guys. So there's some value there along with some injury protection for you if you're looking for return points and a possibility that a guy could spell somebody or in case somebody gets injured. But it's going to kind of be a timeshare with Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis. I know everybody thought it was all going to be Derrick Henry. But bringing in Deion Lewis makes sense. He's a pass-catching guy. He's a guy they can line up in the slot. He's a guy that can take some of that brunt of the load off Derrick Henry so it doesn't have to be all him. I think Derrick Henry is capable of being an every-down back, but I think this is a smarter move. You see this around the league with the one-two punch, the thunder and lightning type thing, and that's what the Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis show is going to be about. Now, Derrick Henry is going to be the premium guy. He's going to be the first and second down guy. I got him ranked as the number 17 running back. And I got Deion Lewis ranked as the number 28 running back. But that number will skew up. And Derrick Henry's number will skew down a bit based on whether you're in a PPR league or not. So if you're in a PPR league, adjust you know adjust Deion Lewis up a little bit and bring uh, Derrick Henry down a little bit. But right now, Derrick Henry's 17, and Deion Lewis is number 28 running back on my rankings. Yeah, you know, as far as Deion Lewis goes, you know, he did some good things in New England, and they figured out ways to to make him look good, just like they did with a bunch of guys that have been there, like Garrett Blunt and Kevin Falk and so on and so forth. They find ways to take names you don't know and make them names you do know. So we'll have to see what this is going to look like. Tennessee has taken on offense and defense former Patriots, and Deion Lewis could do some good things, or he could be kind of that burly third down back that's not getting a lot of touches. Derrick Henry is the guy that they're putting their apples back in his basket. They had them there, then they took him out, now they put him back. So Derrick Henry, not a bad pickup for you. I still think he's a number two running back, not a number one. Rashard Matthews, Corey Davis... Taiwan Taylor, Tajay Sharp, Michael Campanero, who came from Wake Forest where I covered him and went on to the Ravens and has been hurt the last couple of years and hasn't played that much. And then Darius Jennings out of Virginia, a free agent from the Jets in 2017. What do you think about this? No more Eric Decker. So here we are with Richard Matthews, Corey Davis, Taiwan Taylor, and Tajay Sharp. What are your thoughts on the receivers in Tennessee? Yeah, they're going to need Tajay Sharp or Taiwan Taylor to show up. Campanero is probably going to be relegated to kick returns, punt returns, etc. But, 
you know, Tajay Sharp needs to make an appearance here. It looked like he was a blip on the screen a little while back, but they desperately need that third receiver to step up. Corey Davis is lightning quick. Hopefully he can, you know, make things happen for himself this year. Still a real young receiver. And I don't think Rashard Matthews is a true number one in the league. As a matter of fact, I've got Corey Davis as the better value player receiver because if you consider if opposing teams do, and I don't know that they will, but if they consider Rashard Matthews the number one, you know, sometimes opposing teams will have their number one guy on the number one receiver. It doesn't matter if it's left or right side. Sometimes the, the you know, cornerbacks will stay on their respective sides of the field. But I think Rashard Matthews is not a real true number one. I got him as the 44th ranked wide receiver this year. And I have Corey Davis you know, uh, ranked a little bit higher at 31. So I don't think either one of those guys are a big threat or a big difference in PPR either. They're both long ball threats. So hopefully they can get a Tajay Sharp or Taiwan Taylor to show up as that third guy. But they definitely have a guy who's a top guy in his position at tight end in Delaney Walker. Number seven tight end overall on my ranking. He's the guy. He's the safety valve. He's the guy Marcus Mariota looks to for those tough over-the-middle yards as well. So look for Walker. Get some value there as a, as a mid-range tight end one. Temporary expectations on the receiver. And maybe that third receiver will show up for Tennessee this year and you'll pick up somebody off the wire. Yeah, you know, for, for Tennessee, I just – I don't really like the fact that they have – I mean – I jokingly say that they always go high on drafting a wide receiver and that, you know, they have a bunch of weapons and they had eight running backs last year on the roster and they had a bunch of receivers, but now they've kind of tailored everything down on their roster. They put more out there at the linebacker position. They have a bunch of guys. They have Harold Landry, who's my guy out of BC. They have Rashawn Evans, who's out of Alabama, drafted both of them this year. So it looks like they're putting more on the defensive side of the ball, that they're putting more players and more depth on that side, and they're minimizing the depth at running back and wide receiver, which gives Marcus Mariota less weapons, which could be good. Maybe less weapons to deal with, less guys to have to get to know the mannerisms and what they're good at and their strengths and weaknesses. Maybe that's going to be helpful. Rashard Matthews, Corey Davis, they're not bad pickups, but they're not number one guys yet. Delaney Walker, though. Delaney seems to be the consistency here. What do you think about him? Yeah, I definitely like him. You know, you could do a lot worse than Delaney Walker. But, you know, the guys that are around him ranking-wise, Evan Ingram, Jimmy Graham, Kyle Rudolph, Jordan Reed, if he's healthy. So he's in that second or third tier of tight ends, but still a valuable commodity. I would be, you know, I would be very happy if Delaney Walker was my tight end and I scored him, you know, in the mid to late rounds. Yeah, Delaney Walker is is one of those guys that maybe is not going to be as highly touted as he used to be, like Mike said, a mid to late round, but you can still get him and, and still pick him up and put him on your team. I think he's a serviceable guy and I think he's gonna make I think he's gonna make things, you know, good for you. As far as anybody that I would tell you to draft that is on the Tennessee Titans Delaney Walker would be the guy that I would feel the best about out of anything. So, you know, if it has to come down to that, that's where it would be, is that I would lean on Delaney Walker because Derrick Henry I'm on the fence on, Rashard Matthews, Corey Davis. I want to believe these guys, Marcus Mariota, can be better. But, you know, I've had Mariota on my roster before, and he really hasn't done anything for me. So 
I think Delaney Walker's your safest Titan. And to finish the AFC South with Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame Fantasy Football.com, myself, Dan Totora of Wake Up Call DT.com. Go to quick links right on the homepage and you can click on the fantasy football page. Mike and I both give you advice every Thursday here on mixlr.com backslash wake up call DT. In the wake up call with Dan Tortora Power Hour, proudly brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub. And then our, on our respectable websites, Hall of Fame Fantasy Football.com and Wake Up Call DT.com. We do what we can to help you out there as well. With that being said, Mike, Jacksonville Jaguars are the last team in the AFC South to speak on. Blake Bortles, Cody Kessler coming over from the Browns, which they traded away, I think, a seventh-round conditional pick. They didn't give up much of anything for him at all. And then Tanner Lee out of Nebraska, they drafted in the sixth round this year. Thoughts on this? Yeah, it's all Blake Bortles. It's going to be his job to lose. And, you know, I I don't think he's going to lose it. You know, they backed him up by by re-signing him. I think that that's a smart move because – you know, while he may not be Aaron Rodgers, he may not be Tom Brady, he may not be Russell Wilson or even Cam Newton, who else you got? Who else is out there? Who else is available? You decided to come in this basket, and hats off to you for sticking with it, Jacksonville. But he's got to take you to the promised land. The defense is championship-worthy. The running game is championship-worthy. You got some good young receivers in-house now. You got a bunch of them. Hopefully a couple of these guys will start to peak now and continue to develop and continue with that upside that they all appear to have. So I think Blake Bortles is good with his feet. I think he can scramble. I think his problem in the past, and they made some offensive coordinator changes in the recent past, was his release. They were asking him to do too much. They were asking him to hold on to the ball too long. This is a business of speed. When you got the Indian, when you got the uh, Houston Texans and Jadavion Clowney and JJ Watt on each side of the ball, and you're choosing to make a five-step drop instead of a three-step drop, or you're choosing to take every bit of that four and a half seconds and not get the ball out quicker than four seconds, you're going to cost yourself some yardage. You're going to create turnovers, and those are things Blake Bortles cannot do under any circumstances for the Jaguars to be successful. Now, lucky enough, even if he does those things and does some bad things, the defense is good enough. The running game is good enough. But if he goes without incident, if he goes without interceptions, if he maintains an average quarterback play, Jacksonville will go very far because of their run game and because of their defense. So, again, if he could take that that uh, approach that the Bucks did way back in, what, when was it, 04 or 02, when they just told Trent Dilfer, hey, just don't screw it up. Just don't do anything bad. That's what they said to him in Baltimore as well. Don't do anything bad. Don't do anything stupid. Protect the ball. Help us make first downs. As long as Blake Bortles can do that, Jacksonville will go very far. Yeah, you know, I think Blake Bortles is better than what he gets credit for. I think that he can do a lot more than he gets credit for. I I think that, and the thing is with Doug Marone and being around Doug Marone and knowing Doug Marone and Nate Hackett's system, they have a two tight end set that they look to be implementing this year from what we're seeing on the depth chart, and that's to run the ball. And they have the burly back. They have the strong physical guy in Leonard Fournette. They have the defense. That's what Doug Marone is about. Old school football, northeast football, 
That is what it is. Run the ball down your throat. Play really good defense. Run the ball down your throat, punching the mouth on defense. Play really good. Run the ball really well, smacking the mouth on defense. That's all they do. So Blake Bortles doesn't have to be Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't have to be Tom Brady. He doesn't have to be any of that. He just has to be serviceable. He can throw the ball better than people give him credit for. And again, and I'm going to say this over and over again on the show until people understand. In 2016 in December, he had a tear in his right wrist. It is 2018, and we are in June right now. He had surgery on it after this past season, after almost making it to the Super Bowl and being four points away and making it to the Super Bowl. So from December of 2016 to to December of 2017 and farther forward from there, over a year of having a tear in his right wrist, he practiced, he did OTAs, he did training camp, he did preseason, he did the season, and he almost brought this team to a Super Bowl getting injections in his wrist, and then finally, after the season, after the AFC Championship game, having surgery. So for everybody that wants to know, he can't complete this pass, and he can't do this, and he can't run, and he can't do that. A tear in his right wrist for over a year, and the man threw the damn ball, he ran the damn ball, and he played pretty well. And in my opinion, Blake Bortles is a fantasy guy that you can look after, and he's also somebody that you can think about in reality helping this team get to a Super Bowl. And I think within the next few seasons would be the time to do so, and I think they're capable, and like Mike said, he's got to put up. Now, because they don't have garbage time like they used to, because they're going to play these teams close and they're going to win these games and push to bring these games to the brink, Blake Bortles is not going to necessarily be that fantasy stud that he was for you in the past when he was just beaming the ball in the fourth quarter for fun. So understand that. I still think he's a mid-range guy. I think I still think he's higher than Marcus Mariota, but he may not be as crazy as a 40-point game because... It's not a garbage time quarterback anymore, just so you know. And then going on to the running backs, Mike, I know you already telegraphed this a little bit, but you like yourself some Leonard Fournette. What I like that they did is they kept TJ Yeldon, and I said Leonard Fournette's going to allow TJ to break out of the backfield and be the check down guy who can catch the ball, which he does very well, and that's exactly what they did. And big time, he came up in Pittsburgh in the playoffs divisional round in the AFC. They're keeping Corey Grant, who I love. Corey Grant's a special teams guy, does some awesome things, and he is good on those fake punts and different opportunities that they give him. So, Corey Grant, who also came up big in certain plays. TJ Yeldon, not bad guys to stash away and kind of have there if you got to go really deep, if there's a lot of guys that are draft, there's a lot of people that are drafting, you know, men and women inside your league, then these are some guys you can look at. I don't look to them to be consistent, but Leonard Fournette, Mike, I would imagine somebody's going to potentially even take him number one this year. Yeah, I like Leonard Fournette a lot. He's the number six running back outside of PPR. He's the number seven overall talent on my board. So, you know, definitely running back heavy this year. But, you know, Leonard Fournette has done a lot to prove himself worthy of that ranking. He's a powerful running back. He, he runs with a lot of with a lot of anger, with a lot of with a lot of power, and I think that bodes well for what Jacksonville is trying to do. I think that mixing in it, EJ Yeldon as a change of pace is a great thing. I like it when Tommy Bohannon plays the H back, or they throw him the ball out of the backfield on a fullback screen, and I like what they're doing getting Corey Grant in the mix. 
I think you're going to see a lot more opportunities for Corey Grant, a lot more play design, maybe even some wildcat-type formations, some trick plays, and just giving him the opportunity. He seems like he's earned that opportunity, and every time he does get on the field, he's able to do something productive. So I like some Corey Grant, but again, it's the Leonard Fournette show. Don't 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 misinterpret any of that. It's definitely Leonard Fournette, and he's definitely an RB1 on your team if you're lucky enough to grab him. Yeah, I think Leonard Fournette's one of those guys that, okay, if you got the number one pick, you got to figure out what you're going to do with it. But if you got picks two, three, and four, and you don't pick up Leonard Fournette, I'm telling you, it's almost a guarantee. He's not coming back around to you. And I know that people with me like to toy around with me. say, Dan, I think I'm going to take Leonard Fournette. You better get that second pick or I'm going to take Leonard Fournette. You better not go to the second round or I'm going to take Leonard Fournette. So I got him at the top of the second round last year. I don't think he's going to last that long. Leonard Fournette is one of those guys, 1,000-yard-plus back. Only two guys did it as rookies in the franchise history of the Jaguars, Leonard Fournette and Fred Taylor. What did I tell you at the beginning of last year? Leonard Fournette has is the best opportunity for the Jaguars to have a franchise back since Fred Taylor did it. So, Leonard Fournette, he is that guy. He's one of those guys you don't have to think about too much. Just draft him and feel good about it later. Wide receiver, Marquise Lee, supposed to be the number one guy this year. DJ Chark getting drafted out of LSU in the second round. Dante Moncrief, who is underutilized in Indianapolis. D.D. Westbrook, who is supposed to be healthy now and have his first full season, even though last year he was a rookie. Keelan Cole and Jadon Mickens, who were able to make things happen when everybody was when Allen Robinson was out and Allen Hearns was out and Marquise Lee wasn't 100%. Keelan Cole and Jadon Mickens were coming up big time. And Rashad Green, people forgot about him, Florida State guy, third round, drafted in the fifth round, pardon me, in 2015. Rashad Green, supposed to be the return man, and that might have been taken by Jadon Mickens, but he's still on the roster. I love how people tell me that the Jaguars need a receiver. I severely disagree with that. What do you think about their receiving core? I like their receivers a lot. I like the young receivers they have in-house. I think that Mark Easley is finally not only healthy, but in a productive role and in a position to be successful. You know, bringing in a Dante Moncrief was huge, that nice veteran presence to keep things stable while you're bringing on these young receivers. You think of D.D. Westbrook, who arguably was round one talent, but had a lot of off-the-field issues. Jacksonville takes a chance on him. Both Allens get hurt last year, and he ends up showing up. And so does Keelan Cole ended up showing up. So if those guys can build on what they did last year in D.D. Westbrook and Keelan Cole, you know, the future looks awful bright for Jacksonville. And, you know, I like I like an Alan Lazard, too. I think if you're, in a, if you're in a dynasty league, that's the guy you want to look at picking up late or maybe watching off the waiver wire. He's got big hands, should be an, a red zone target because they have only one other guy that I think is capable of being a big hands red zone target, and that's Austin Severian Jenkins. And that's exactly why they brought him in here. You know, if you go to London – Everybody in London thinks that Mercedes Lewis is Gronk. He had that three or four touchdown game over there. You know, that that wasn't the case all the time. And, you know, Mercedes Lewis was in the waning years after 13 seasons. Austin Safarian Jenkins has had some issues in the past couple of years, including a DUI stint that got him kicked out of Tampa. He had some issues in New York with the Jets. But I definitely think that he's more than capable of 
carrying the load at tight end for Jacksonville, especially in the red zone. So look out for Austin Severian Jenkins, especially if you're in a touchdown-only league. He's going to be a tight end worth worth owning. But again, he's probably realistically a tight end, too. I don't think any of these receivers are worthy of being a wide receiver one on your team. You're going to roll the dice on a couple of them, and those are Marquise Lee, Moncrief, Westbrook, and Cole. But keep it tempered. Understand you're really bringing in a a wide receiver four or five, and you're hoping one of them has the upside to swing up and, and make a bigger move. And if I had a gamble, I would see that I would say that guy is going to be D.D. Westbrook. He seems to be the guy that's going to be the next good thing in receivers coming out of Jacksonville. Yeah, you know, I, I think I think it's definitely like Mike said. You know, I don't look at these guys to be uh, the dominant. You know, I, I think it's going to be spread out. I honestly do. But talk about Blake Bortles having a little party. Finally, has a line that's gotten better and hopefully even. better better this year with Andrew Norwell and all the money that they gave him to come over from Carolina as a free agent out of Ohio State at the left guard position. So your line gets better. Leonard Fournette gets to be your burly back, who's a big body guy. TJ Yeldon gets to go outside and catch the ball on check downs. Then you have Marquise Lee, DJ Chark, Dante Moncrief, Didi Westbrook, Keelan Cole, Jadon Mickens. And then you have Austin Safarian Jenkins, Ben Koyak, and James O'Shaughnessy, who have shown that they can catch the ball. Niles Paul comes over as a free agent this year from the Redskins. So there's definitely a playground for Blake Bortles. In fantasy, people are going to think Marquise Lee. Some of you might roll the dice big time on DJ Chark. D.D. Westbrook's been there. D.D. Westbrook's supposed to be fast. And don't forget that D.D. Westbrook was a finalist for the Boletnikoff Award for top receiver in all of college football in his final season with Oklahoma. Don't forget that. So, Keelan Cole may be a guy that you pick up. Jadon Mickens may be a guy that you pick up. Dante Moncrief may be a guy that you pick up. DJ Chark might be a guy that you pick up. But D.D. Westbrook and Marquise Lee, I would think, are going to go drafted in your thing. And and again, they may every week it may change. Every couple weeks it may change. But the good thing about this for Jacksonville in reality is they have depth at wide receiver. And not only do they have depth at wide receiver, their depth doesn't cost that much money to have. And that's even bigger for them in reality. And if you're playing daily fantasy and you know the value of some of these players, I don't even think that some of these players are going to be as high in that sense playing daily fantasy because of their the fact that they're on the Jaguars and, and Keelan Cole and Jadon Mickens and Dante Moncrief and DJ Chark, their values aren't going to be that high in daily fantasy. So you could definitely get something out of that. I love that in 2017, the power rankings had Jadon Mickens at 135th overall, yet he did some awesome things in the return game and helped the team out as well So as a wide receiver. So inconsistency, I'm not going to say inconsistency. I'm just going to say the ball is going to be spread out. But there's a lot of depth and there's a lot of fun. And I think Nate Hackett's going to have a good time as the OC of this offense with all these wide receivers. Look to Marquise Lee, DJ Chark, and D.D. Westbrook with an outside look at Dante Moncrief. But none of these guys a true number one in fantasy. With that being said, and Austin Safarian Jenkins, stay out of trouble. And if he stays out of trouble, then maybe he can help out Jacksonville a little bit here. With that being said, Mike Sofka, Hall of Fame, FantasyFootball.com. Head there. A ton of different ways to get involved with Mike. So many different price points to help yourself out in fantasy. 
halloffamefantasyfootball.com. He can help you anywhere in the world. He's there to be a part of this. He's in the Fantasy Football Hall of Fame, and he's a great friend. Mike, as always, I appreciate you, brother. Hey, thanks a lot, Dan. Talk to you next time. All right, take care.